Aw shucks. Aw gee. It's the coin toss. Gee willikers. Two sides of one coin. One surprise topic off the rip. And three sides of a strange coin sometimes. John, do you have the coin? I have an American quarter dollar. In God we trust. Tarek, heads or tails? Tails. Here we go. Uh, that was, I, I think that's Tails. That's the side that doesn't have George Washington on it. So, I don't uh, believe you. Uh, well, Tarek, do you want the ball or uh, are you going to defer it? I want the ball. You want the ball. Well, today we're talking about the NFC West. So I want to know who is uh, getting last place in that division this year. Who's taking up the tail in the NFC West? Well, this is a really good division, so it's kind of wide open. But I'm going to go chalk and say the San Francisco 49ers. Because I think Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to play that well. Going to dig him a nice little hole. And then there's going to be a lot on Trey Lance's shoulders. And while I'm a big believer in Trey Lance, I don't think he's going to be able to dig them out of the hole that Jimmy G digs them into. So 49ers, caboose. Caboose, Trey, who's getting that boost? Man, this is a, this is definitely a good division. So it's even if they get last place, I could see it being like a, a seven and 10 type season, you know? So, uh, I'll go with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I know they've got a good defense. I know that offense is looking pretty good. You've got some questions about can Cliff really do it as an NFL coach? Uh, I think he might get outfoxed by the other guys in the league. Yeah, and maybe they don't have enough to compete with uh, the complete squads they have there in Seattle and L.A., so I'll go with Arizona. All right, John. Well, this coin is strange. What do you say, man? I think these guys they've they've got it all wrong. Uh this this division's highly overrated. This is going to be like a Washington Dallas situation. It's going to be the first team to win 6 games. They're going to get in the in the playoffs by default. And I think that's going to be the Seahawks. They're going to get there. They're going to run the ball 40 ball, 40 times per game. They're going to win a lot of games 9 to 6 and they're going to they're going to find their way in the playoffs and everyone else is going to get 5 wins. Uh. That's very reasonable, very low firepower division. That's a here. long way to say the Rams. Yeah, <laughs> I could see the Rams getting last if uh, if Stafford just ate shit the first week or something. But no way, no way the Rams are getting last. They're going. Pretty sure Sean McVay would Bowl. step in. Sean McVay would play quarterback in that situation. They'd be fine. That's fair. Sean McVay can do no wrong. He's basically Coach Jesus. So. Right. According to I mean, anybody that he touches turns to gold, i.e. gets a head coaching job. Guys, I think Sean McVay might be a little overrated in, in the pl- press release for the Arizona Cardinals hire of Cliff Kingsbury was that he was friends with Sean McVay. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> he sure does have a well-trimmed beard, though, man. I'm not going to lie. Dingleberry has a well-trimmed beard, too, and it's because he's friends with Sean McVay. Comb your beard. I don't want to hear that shit. Comb your beard. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast. It's a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I am your host, Tarek Angry Tibanshuya. With me, as always, John Alexander, Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. We're here. We're back. Trey, how you doing, man? I'm ready to discuss around this table. 
Got the uh, NFC West this week. Uh, appreciated uh, Mitch's uh, coin toss there. I uh, I don't know. I, I It's a pretty good division, top to bottom. So it's hard coming up with who's going to uh, fall behind without uh, factoring in injuries. Mitch, this table is round. It's the roundest table there's ever been. We need to get cool nicknames so we can be knighted at our round table. Sir John, how are you, man? Uh, I'm well prepared to talk about football today. I've been studying Euro 2020. I've been watching Austin FC, so I've gotten a good dose of football, and I'm ready to talk about football today. Football. Did you pray to Treasus? I prayed to Treasus. Uh, well, I prayed to Treasus that we get a, a starting forward that can score some goals, because good Lord, we are terrible. Shout out to Niche Austin Professional Sports Podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Praise Treesus. <laughs> All hail Treesus. <laughs> All right. We are going to be talking about the NFC West today, as we've referenced a couple of times. Fantastic division. Lots to get into. So let's jump into this first half where we're going to be talking about the Seahawks and the 49ers. We're going to be going from north to south here geographically. So starting with the Seattle Seahawks, or as Mitch likes to call them, McSee. McSee. At quarterback, Russell Wilson is our consensus QB9. Last year in 2020, he was the QB1 in weeks 1 through 8, and then the QB12 in weeks 9 through 17. He's 32 years old. Trey, is Russ closer to a top 5 dynasty quarterback for you, or more like a solid low-end quarterback one? Yeah, so I think he's closer to the top five uh, for me than the bottom. Wow. And most that's mostly because uh, there's a big six for me uh, at the top, right? And uh, you guys wouldn't be surprised by any of the names in there. Uh, but after, you know, Dak Prescott or Herbie or Lamar Jackson or whoever you have at the bottom of that tier, then I think there is a little bit of a, a, a tier gap. So uh, I, right now I've got Burrow at seven and then I've got Russ uh, right there at um, at eight. And it's exactly like you said, he was the number one quarterback through the first half of the year. And then he was a low end quarterback one for the second half. So um, what's happened in Seattle since then is they brought in Shane Waldron from the LA Rams as their new offensive coordinator. He'll bring a little bit more uh, elements of that offense to the system. So, you know, even if they pick up the pace of play a little bit, if they start throwing it a little bit more, they don't even have to necessarily let Russ cook. But I think he's locked in as a top 10 quarterback this year. I think that's his floor. And he's got obvious upside for, for a top five performance. So at age 32, that's not enough to, for him to um, drop out of the, uh, you know, that that top eight range of uh, quarterbacks for me. Man, that's that's wild to me, Trey. Do you, do you think they're going to actually, like, let him cook? Well, I'm saying they don't even have to let him cook all that much. He threw it 35 times a game last year, which was the most he's done in the last three seasons. So... I've, even if you factor that in as his floor for this year, then in my projections, he comes out right around quarterback seven, quarterback eight. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a little bit of upside for more there, for sure. I feel, yeah. I think I'm just one of the ones scorned from last year, right, where he's cooking that early that early part of the year. And then you said he put up respectable numbers at, at, the, at the end of the year, but it didn't feel like it. I, I feel like he, he got a lot of people, like a good third or fourth place last year. And I think that's why people are starting to sleep on him. Um, he's getting older, and I wouldn't let that variability between the first half of the season and the second half of the season scare you off. I, I think uh, that's kind of just random noise, and for whatever reason, it's happened in Seattle the last couple of years, and now they've got a new OC. 
I feel just fine about Russ, but I think that they need to lean on him less this year. I think that they do need to reestablish the run, uh, and that would be better for Russ. Uh, I'm all I believe Pete Carroll when he says he wants to run the ball more, and so I'm actually on the other end of things. Then uh, how are you going to reestablish? Reestablish. It's the been run. re re reestablish. Re 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 reestablish the run. Like we we don't know what they're going to do, but I, I I'm not sure that the offensive coordinator has is going to be able to overrule Pete Carroll, and he he's a madman who likes to run the ball, so I think he's probably closer to uh, uh, QB twelve than QB five for me. Talent wise, pure quarterback, clearly a top five quarterback in the league. We all have him between QB eight and QB eleven, so all in the same range. Still a very good dynasty asset. Speaking of establish the run. The running backs in Seattle, we got Chris Carson at consensus running back 22. He will turn 27 in September. Uh, I was reading Mike Taglier's blurb on Fantasy Pros, and he said that Carson has produced RB2 numbers, so a top 24 game or better in 60% of his games, which is a really elite mark of consistency. That's around what Marshawn Lynch's clip was as a Seahawk. Mitch you have Chris Carson at RB18, which is the highest out of all of us. So um, explain what you like about Carson. Well, I like what we previously talked about, and John touched on this, but I think they're going to keep handing him the ball until they kill him. And I, I think he, he may hit the pavement here in a couple of years. But with that said, he's he's got that guaranteed volume, and he's you've seen him play. You've seen him on tape. He He's very quick and good with the ball. He gets touchdowns and he gets uh, catches out of the backfield with Russ as well. And he's just one of those guys that's going to get volume and get the playing time no matter who's behind him. And we'll talk about these guys as well. But he's pretty much money in the bank. And if you're a contender, he's a very good running back too, which is where I have him ranked. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I've got him at running back 23. Uh, if he, if I'm a contending team, I think he's a guy that I've, I've got circled that I'm trying to acquire. Uh, if I'm anyone but a contender, though, like I'm, I'm selling maybe after a game or two Agreed. Agreed. Uh, before he hits the pavement, as you say, because I think you're right. I think they are going to run him. And just looking at the depth that they have behind him, there isn't much. So I think he will be. He'll have strong volume this year, and it's just a matter of time. These running backs, they're ticking time bombs. John, in terms of picks, what you're, you're saying I would buy if I'm a contender, I would yep. sell if I'm a rebuilder, excuse me. So talk to me about if you're a contender, how much you would pay, and if you're a rebuilder, how much you would sell for, and kind of do those things meet for you? I think that we're talking about uh, back end first in either case. Like if I'm a contender and I can get him for a first, I think that's good value for running back too. And if I'm rebuilding, I'm not selling for anything less than a first. No, I'm trying to maybe get 105, 106 so that I can make sure that I get a running back with it. But yeah, if you're selling a contending team, then that's what you're expecting is 111, 112, right? So uh, I think that's that's the bare minimum. I'm obviously going to try and get maybe a player back in return, uh, somebody with some upside. Uh, but yeah, definitely at least a first if I'm selling. Rashad Penny is going into his fourth year. About a week ago, it was reported that he had another knee surgery, <laughs> a guy that's still recovering from that brutal injury he had in 2019. 
Mitch had mentioned that Chris Carson is good with the ball, but a couple years ago he fumbled a lot, and uh, that kind of opened the door for Rashad Penny, in which he immediately tore his knee up. So we're two years removed from that injury. Is there any reason for optimism, Trey? Yeah, I mean, it's too bad to hear that he's still battling with injuries right now because it did look like he was going to be the uh, the first guy off the bench at running back this year. So uh, there's still time uh, for him to get that cleaned up uh, before uh, the start of the season. So hopefully he does. Um, he does look like a high-end cuff to me, like probably one of the better uh, cuffs you could go out and get right now. Yeah. Yeah, for me, he's just the old sunk cost fallacy, though, because like whoever has Penny has likely just kind of held on to him at this point because if if you guys remember he was drafted really high uh, a couple of years ago yeah. in the rookie drafts and at this yeah, point top 5 pick right like it if you still have him he's at the ass end of your roster you're only holding on to him because you're just hoping that maybe he even makes the Seattle roster this year because that's that's where I'm holding out I have him in one league and I'm just hoping he makes the roster because if he doesn't, I can finally be free of this guy. <laughs> there are a lot of question marks behind Carson in terms of their depth chart. So, I mean, Penny could still be there, but I think you're right, Mitch. I think this is your prototypical roster clogger. I, I'm not, I don't, I think he's a bust. I don't expect, hey, you should cut him. I think so. I think he's toast. The guys behind Penny on the unofficial depth chart are a rookie from last year, DJ Dallas, who filled in okay at times for Chris Carson last year. Uh, do we consider DJ Dallas a deep stash still? Yeah, I mean, he's a decent cuff, but you know, obviously lower upside than Penny at this point. I disagree. I have Dallas at 56 and Penny at giggity 69. So, you know, like, I feel like Dallas at least, <laughs> nice. you know, has a couple of knees or whatever. So um, I'm into that. And they don't have, like Tarek mentioned, it's it's a pretty thin room. I'm going to put my money in the Dallas bag before, uh, oh, <laughs> bag of pennies, right? Like, no, fuck that. <laughs> well, last year, uh, Pete Carroll brought up Alex Collins off of the uh, practice squad twice because that's what he was allowed to do without having to sign him to a real con contract. I don't have faith in Pete Carroll to play the guy we expect him to play. I, I, don't, I don't want Penny. I don't want DJ Dallas because they're just going to find some guy and they're going to run him into the ground too. Uh, it, it could be anyone off the practice squad. Well, they gave Alex Collins that contract, but then he fumbled that too. So like, you know, like that guy, like there's no reason for that. No, they re-signed get... Alex Collins. Right. They re-signed him. Right. I know. And you should not is all I'm saying. <laughs> right. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, Alex Collins deserves a spot on your waiver wire in your dynasty league. Let's move on to the wide receivers. DK Metcalf is wide receiver four in our consensus. Like Russell Wilson, along with Russell Wilson, tore it up in the first half of the year, was the wide receiver two in weeks one through eight, and the wide receiver 13 in weeks nine through 17. So didn't absolutely kill you, but was definitely disappointing after that stellar start. He was number two in air yards last year, number three in deep targets last year, so he gets those high-value targets from a very high-value deep passer. John, you've got DK at wide receiver 11, whereas the rest of us have him in our top five. Excuse me. Talk to us about, yeah, talk to Excuse us me. about why you've got him out of the, outside of the top 10. You, you know, there was another guy who had ton, 10 touchdowns their uh, second year, and that was Mike Williams. And you all know what happened to Mike Williams after his second year. Uh, I'm not trying to draw a straight line there, but I, my two concerns are the coaching philosophy 
and the consistency. He was wide receiver seven and half PPR last Did year. Mike Williams also have 1,300 yards? I'm sorry, I, I, I had to. <laughs> like, he was only like 1,000 yards, but you know. I, he was 1,000 yards in one season and 10 touchdowns in another he, season. He didn't have Russ throwing to him. I couldn't even let you finish your thought, John. Uh, apostasy. Keep going, though, please. <laughs> the point is he scored a lot of touchdowns, right? That's uh, that's what... Uh, uh, that's that's he had those big games because of all the touchdowns. He had that monstrous season. Um, started to start to peter off at the end of the season, like you mentioned. Was that Russ? Was it the offense's line? I don't know. It was a chicken as the egg. But whatever it was, Pete Carroll has been very clear. Wants to recommit to the running game, and so my concern is that his next season might look a little bit more like his rookie season, where he had 900 yards receiving and seven touchdowns. Now that's still really good. Uh, but is that top five in Dynasty good? Uh, not not for me. I, I still think he's definitely a wide receiver one in Dynasty. I just don't think he's a top five guy like y'all are expecting. I just think last year was probably uh, pretty close to his ceiling, and if he could keep doing it, then yeah, he's probably a top five guy, but um, he was wide receiver seven last year, and I don't expect, I expect him to reg- regress a little bit, at least in the touchdown department. Trey, he's your wide receiver too, so you got a little bit of disagreement here. Yeah, I mean, touchdown regression is one thing, but when you're really big and strong and fast, then you tend to you know, find the end zone occasionally. So uh, I, to me, it's really 2A and 2B uh, between uh, DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown for the number two uh, dynasty wide receiver right now because I have Justin Jefferson as my number one. And the only reason I really give Metcalf the slight edge, seeing as they fill similar roles as hyper-efficient, uber athletes uh it's just because i like the situation slightly better i like russ a lot more than i like Tannehill, and i think um that seattle is going to pass more than tennessee does so i think there's just going to be slightly more opportunities uh for dk metcalf but um yeah i mean i view him way more closely to like a guy like aj brown than whoever john's uh wide receiver 13 is yeah, John, uh, I, I know you were talking about chickens, and I, I, wa- I want it on record that my favorite nickname for the uh, for the Seahawks is not actually McSee, but it is the Sea Chickens. Uh, I, I've seen that everywhere online, and uh, you can look it up on uh, Google.com. Uh, uh, check it out. Um, I'm more of a Bing man myself. <laughs> are you now? Uh, maybe that's why we don't have as many viewers as we would hope to have, you fucking idiot. <laughs> All right, well, Tyler Lockett is wide receiver 38 in our consensus. Big boom-bust guy, especially last year. He ended the year as wide receiver 9, and that was on the back of three especially monstrous games. Now, Mitch, you are the guy that is pulling him down with your rank of wide receiver 53, and that's a big fade. So I want to give you the opportunity to talk about why you're lower than consensus on Tyler Lockett. Look, he may have finished wide receiver 9, and uh, 11, what, what, 9 in PPR, 11 in standard last year. Um, and, like, actually, he, he finished, like, top 16 in the last three years in a row. But, like, it, the numbers are not telling the whole story. And we, we know that when you say, like, he's the classic boomer bust type of guy. But, like, the, the thing is, like, the last 10 weeks last year, he, he put up six standard fantasy points or lower uh, while registering 90% snap count which to me is just like, if you had the guy, you know what happened and you know, like wanting this guy, like starting on your team is always like, oh God, is he just going to be out there and do nothing? Um, He's turning 29 in September. Like, I don't see this going anywhere but down. And like, 
yeah, he's going to have the occasional 28-pointer or 38-pointer or whatever. But, like, if you're contending again, like, I'm looking to uh, get... I I don't want this guy in my lineup. I'm looking for something else. So, like, he's in a weird spot for me because if you're not contending and you're trying to sell him, I'm wondering who you're trying to sell him to. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's great value for a contender. Uh, he's I think he's consistently undervalued every year. Uh, the ADP 33 um, is, is right where I have him, but I think it's very easily in his range of outcomes to finish again as a low end wide receiver one high end wide receiver two. And, and we really uh, at his age and, you know, the way he projects to be used, I think we should really be thinking about him the same way we think about guys like Keenan Allen and Robert Woods, who I think you guys both have ranked a lot higher because they're all about 29 years old and they're all probably going to get about eight targets a game uh, on the season, probably get 1100 plus yards and seven plus touchdowns. So I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about the the week to week variation that he had last year, uh, because I I think it's just random noise. I wouldn't read into it too much. How do you not read into random noise when like he's very much a boomer bust guy though? This is like ten out of the eight out of ten weeks. I mean, I think you're gonna have to expect that from Tyler Lockett. Maybe not only three weeks of elite production and two or three more weeks of passable production, which was last year. But I mean, as we've kind of talked about before on this podcast. Tyler Lockett should not be your wide receiver one. Even though he finished as a wide receiver one, he should ideally be your wide receiver three, four, or five, where he's starting in your flex, and you can kind of take the down weeks to where the up weeks really help your team, but the down weeks don't hurt that much because he is your flex player. He's not your wide receiver one that you're expecting to be wide receiver eight every week, week in, week out. That's fair. I guess I'm just asking like why we're expecting more from him at this point. Like we should be expecting. He's a really, 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 really great receiver and he's attached to a really good quarterback. So I, I, I think it's okay to have, high expectations for Tyler Lockett insofar as he's not the wide receiver one on your roster. He's not the wide receiver two on your roster. He's either the three, four or five. That's, that's my perspective. I mean, he came out as wide receiver 16 in the projections that I ran. So I I definitely think for a contender, he's a fantastic flex option. And I want this guy off my roster. I don't know, John, you got got an opinion, man. Well, let's move on. We, I, I'd love to not. get John's opinion, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna get he him. Tyler Lockett. He'll be the first one to talk about Dwayne Eskridge huh. or what? Dwayneant Elderly Scridge, as the name indicates. Already 24 years old, rookie out of one of the Michigans. I'm actually the highest on him. Outside of his age entering the NFL, his analytic profile isn't that bad, and he got second round draft capital to be with a really good quarterback, like we've already talked about. I think if Lockett you know, goes down to injury. Eskridge has some sneaky upside in the short term. And who knows if in that short term, he shows out. Now, John, you've got him in the 90s. So rein me in. Yeah, 91, actually. Uh, so he's probably, there's no guarantee, he's probably the wide receiver three for a run first team. It's going to take, like you said, an injury for him to be fantasy relevant while Lockett is still around. And based on his contract, that's like 2024 at the earliest. You know, remember, they just re-signed him. So by the time he has a chance to make an impact, there's a chance Russ is gone. So that's like your one of your strongest arguments that he's attached to a good quarterback. He could be gone by the time this guy's relevant. And uh, the elderly one will be entering his age 27 season. So I really don't see the upside of rostering a guy that isn't going to be making any sort of impact for fantasy for 
the next three seasons unless for some reason you're scoring points based on special teams. I don't know about everybody else's leagues, but okay. Uh, We'll keep it moving. At tight end, the Seahawks have Gerald Everett, who comes in on a one-year, $6 million deal. He is the tight end 21 in our consensus. Getting the offseason praise from old Petey Sunshine about how he's the best receiving tight end he's ever been around. He's been creeping up in the offseason kind of underdog best ball rankings in Dynasty, sticking around the tight end 24 range of DLF ADP. Trey, are you a fan of Gerald Everett? Yeah, I mean, I've liked I've liked Everett for a while as a former second round pick. You know, he was buried on the Rams for a long time. And uh, the, the problem is he's never really had a, a you know primary role in an offense before in L.A. So maybe he'll fill that role in Seattle. Um, but he and Disley have never had more than uh, five targets per game over the course of a full season. So uh, I am worried that Disley hangs around and caps his upside a little bit, but he's getting some uh, rave reviews out of camp. So that's uh, at least some positive indications. And Mitch, do you think Will Disley is worth a stash on the end of your bench? No, man, Bill Wisley. I think he sucks, dude. Like, uh, uh, no, like <laughs> there's no reason for him to be on your bench. I, I actually like, I like Gerald Everett. I I am one of those that am interested in him in best ball and like acquiring for extremely cheap in dynasty leagues. Uh, he's at that age. Uh, Disley, no, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, Gerald Everett, I think is is a great target in dynasty and best ball. His his ADP is screaming value, and we've seen Russell Wilson support mediocre tight ends, including Will Disley. So. If Gerald Everett is anything above mediocre, he could be really good. All right, let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers at quarterback. Trey Lance comes in as QB 14 in our ranks, QB 10 in DLF ADP. So uh, we're actually a little bit lower. Third overall pick, so we know he's likely going to see some playing time this year, if history is any indication. He also landed in kind of the perfect situation because despite his really great arm strength, Trey Lance is actually a pretty cautious thrower of the football and will target those outlets. And boy, in San Francisco, he's got some outlets. So, John, speaking of caution, you are tempering expectations for Lance a bit, right? Yeah, definitely. And it's pretty simple. I just want to see Lance do it in the NFL. Look, if he wins the job in week one, he's the week one starter and he isn't getting benched like Tua did last year. I'm moving him right up there near QB 12, but he hasn't played competitively for a pretty long time now. He only had one game last season and never at this level of competition. There's a lot of pressure on a guy who is apparently worth three first round picks. And I just want to see how he manages that pressure before I'm ready to anoint him. So I'm tempering expectations for right now, uh, but I see a really high ceiling for him if he can get there. Yeah. And, and so I completely disagree with John on this one. Uh, I'm, I'm not even like super high on him. I've got him at a uh, quarterback at uh, 13 and for the dynasty ranks, but uh, I, I projected him out as a full, as the starter for the full year. And he came out as quarterback seven uh, right ahead of Russell. So uh, I think he should easily be ahead of guys like uh, Tannehill or Stafford since they really can't touch the upside that he has on the ground. So John, I, I would not pass up the opportunity to get him over, uh, you know, some of those vets if, uh, you know, it presented itself. Yeah. And John, where you say his potential is up there at quarterback 12, I actually have him ranked at quarterback 12. Um, Justin Fields at 13, just for clarification there. 
Um, and I feel like that's exactly where he belongs because of that rushing potential. But because even if he doesn't win the job, like from the uh, from the onset here, like that's okay. We're still we're still ranking him dynasty wise, and I think that by the end of this season, he's going to be in consideration to be a, a top ten quarterback. So absolutely, I'm super high on him. Yeah, yeah. I agree with Mitch and Trey sails away. I think um, I, I appreciate John wanting to see him do it on this level coming out of the FCS. Yeah. But coming in in that Shanahan offense with his tools sails away. And I'm John, in. like, I don't I'm sorry, Tarek. I, I just don't think you'll have time, John. Like if you're playing super flex, you won't have time to buy. Um, you, you, tr- you won't have time to buy Trey Lance if you try the wait and see approach here. So you have to take yeah. that risk, which is not in one QB either. Yeah, exactly. Which is why we have him ranked as high as we do. I think. Oh, we. I, I don't disagree with that, but that's why I'd rather take a guy like Justin Fields, who I've seen do it, like at Ohio State. Um, that's why I have him as my QB two as the rookies, just because I've seen him do it at that level, and I think that Trey Lance has that ability. I just have not seen him do it. All right, guys. So Jimmy Garoppolo is currently our QB thirty eight. Michael Liu, or at Mike Me Up with two P's on Twitter, great follow on Twitter, recently tweeted about how he thinks Jimmy G is being undervalued right now in Dynasty because, according to Mike, he's an above average starter at the NFL level that will probably either be traded or have a starting job elsewhere in the NFL by next year. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out to you because I thought it was an interesting perspective. Trey, what do you think about that? Yeah, so I, I do appreciate that he probably will get another job uh, once Trey Lance is the starter in San Francisco, and that other job will obviously be on a different team. So then it's kind of just about what upside does Jimmy Garoppolo give you? And I don't know that I necessarily agree that he's an above average starter. Maybe he is, uh, but I mean, if he was, then I don't know why they're drafting a quarterback in the you know with pick number three overall. So fair point. You know, uh, so, okay, I mean, I think there's other guys in that range. I like Taysom Hill better. I think he's got more upside, like, obviously, as a runner. And uh, you guys have talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick before in the um, the Rivera offense. I mean, yeah, th- there's other guys that you can get with way more upside than uh, Jimmy G. Quarterbacks are going to be drafted next year, and so he's not going to have a job. Right. That's fair point. Fair point, Mitch. All right, let's move on to the running backs. Trey Sermon is RB25 for both us and in DLF ADP. Sermon has been getting the first team reps with both Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. dealing with injuries right now. Mitch, you were early on Sermon pre-NFL draft. Has your excitement grown since then? I'm high on the preacher, man. He's still my running back 21, but my expectations are still that all of the guys in San Francisco are getting touches here, and I think that... This is going to be a committee, and I think it's going to be like some of these dudes are going to get banged up, too. Um, they've all shown history of that, but I think that um, Sermon is going to be the leader of that committee. So, yeah, I'm still high at him. This offense looks exciting to me. I, I'm, I'm excited as I have been. Yeah, I mean, it's it's super tough to uh, project how this is going to shake out. Uh, one interesting thing I think worth noting is that, you know, Sermon and Gallman are, are actually about the same size. You know, they're both about six foot, 215 pounds. So that is obviously a different kind of body type than what Raheem Mostert and Elijah Mitchell give you. You know, it's a little bit shorter and obviously a lot lighter. So uh, obviously, you know, that bigger size kind of lends itself more to the early down work for Sermon. Uh, 
the fact that they traded up to get him at the end of the third, I think is a really positive sign. And, uh, you know, Gallman only got the one year deal. Uh, so no strings attached, pretty risky if they decide he doesn't need to be on the roster <laughs> at the beginning of the season. So, um, I think it's very possible that it could just be Sermon and Mitchell there a year from now, uh, once Mostert and, and Gallman are off their contracts. Right. So Mostert and Gallman are on the roster. Um, Trey also mentioned Elijah Mitchell. John, do you have any interest in Jeff Wilson Jr., who played really well last year in his opportunities? I think by the time he's recovered from the injury, it's going to be too late. I think these other rookies will have already established themselves, and he'll be fourth on the depth chart. There's not going to be another opportunity for him to be fantasy relevant uh, unless, for some reason, three guys ahead of him are injured, which, you know, could happen in San Francisco. It does happen in San Francisco a lot. Let's move on to the wide receivers. I've been looking forward to talking about this guy on this show. Brandon Ayuk is wide receiver 23 in our consensus, which is a handful of spots lower than DLF ADP. But that's because we got two of us who are slightly above consensus on Ayuk and two guys who are pretty far below that consensus. And honestly, I, I think that's indicative of how tough of a call he is when it comes to ranking. On the one hand, He was a monster last year, particularly in the second half of the season. And on the other hand, he did most of that damage without Debo Samuel or George Kittle on the field. Trey, you along with myself are the two guys that are high on him. So can you give us the case? You say I'm high on him, but I have him at uh, 18 and, you know, his ADP and DLF right now is 19. So I'm pretty consistent with the market here. And I think it's pretty clear, like he has the obvious like wide receiver one upside in this offense which Debo Samuel doesn't uh you know Debo's usage in this offense is kind of more as a gadget player who gets a lot of yards after the catch whereas Ayuk was able to come in as a rookie and and do a lot of damage down the field and also show a lot of great uh yards after the catch ability as well so um I'm projecting Ayuk as a guy who can get like a 22 percent or better target share in that offense based on what he did in his rookie year I think Debo comes in closer to 17 or 18%. And Ayuk is reception perception approved, right? So I uh, can't forget about that. And um, having him in this uh, range for ADP right around T. Higgins and Chase Claypool feels right to me. John or Mitch, uh, can you guys explain to our listeners why you have him ranked where you do, which is both kind of in the low 30s? I, I've got Debo and Ayuk ranked right near each other um, at the, in the low 30s right next to each other because I think that's how they're going to end up being. I don't think either guy is going to establish themselves as the primary guy in that offense. I think they're both going to be solid, maybe solid wide receiver twos, wide receiver threes. Uh, but I don't think either guy is going to pass a thousand yards this year. Uh, and I think George Kittle is probably going to be the main receiving option in that offense. So I like Ayuk, uh, but I don't necessarily see him as that alpha sort of guy that Trey uh, believes him to be. Yeah, and John, just just to agree with you there, I look at Kittle as like the, the guy that all of us are sleeping on. It's easy to sleep on the guy when he wasn't there last year and the offense wasn't very good, and... We, we had to watch Ayuk perform. So with all of these guys back, plus the addition of Sermon um, and all the running backs getting healthy, there's a lot of mouths to feed, and we know that they like to feed the mouths there in San Francisco. So when I see Ayuk, I, I don't see him as, like, the alpha. I agree with you there. I, I could not disagree more. I, I see <laughs> Ayuk as an alpha wide receiver because of his 
size, his burst, his speed, his ability to separate like Matt Harmon charts and reception perception. I also wanted to reference, I'm obviously not going to reference the whole article, but Cooper Adams writing for Dynasty League Football wrote a really great article about Brandon Ayuk and kind of the shape of his usage in terms of like where on the field he's being targeted and how much. And we also got to remember this is a guy that did a lot of his damage with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard, right? So that's another thing that in addition to Debo and Kittle being out, we also have to take into account the weak quarterback play that he was getting. But anyway, you know, uh, Cooper Adams on that dynasty league football makes a really good case about how his usage indicates that Ayuk was kind of is profiles as a receiver that can be a focal point of a passing attack. Whereas Debo Samuel was used more like a high end receiving back, right? Which those are just two different usage profiles. And since Debo Samuel is not also getting 15 carries a game, uh, I, I prefer Brandon Ayuk by a wide margin. Like, I think this is a guy that can easily be a top 12 receiver year in, year out. I'm with you. I, th- I think there's there's definitely a possibility that the floor drops out on Ayuk. And, and like John says, they do kind of use them both uh, evenly in that offense. I mean, at least that's yeah based on like initial projections. It is kind of hard to get him above a thousand yards receiving. But like you said, he has like the obvious like wide receiver one upside, which when you're looking at this range of receivers, uh, you got to look for the guy who like potentially could take that jump into you know, that top 12 uh, type receiver. Look, let's talk about the real reason why it's so hard to project Ayuk for that kind of volume. And that's the tight end. And Mitch referenced him as George Kittle. He's the only man in town here in the tight end room. Firmly tight end two in our consensus. And the issue over the last year has been health. Uh, He'll turn 28 in October, so he's still young enough. But with his injury marred season and the sheen of Kyle Pitts kind of still shining brightly, is Kittle a dynasty target right now? Mitch, I know you said Kittle seems like a guy we're all sleeping on. I mean, he's tied in two in our consensus, but I agree with you. Like, it seems like we're sleeping on him despite that. Right. I, I feel like people are sleeping on him, not necessarily us. And But at the same time, like, John has put him further down his ranking. He's tied in one for John, by the way. I just want to <laughs> throw that out there. Tied in one for John. I'm the only one that has him as tight end one, by the way. Listen, yeah, that's fair. With all that movement, though, like, fuck yeah, he's a target then, right? Like, people are sleeping on him. Um, people are enamored with Kyle Pitts. And like like you said, he was hurt all last year, and now everybody's looking at Ayuk. Well, like, I, I still think that Kittle is the focal point of this offense. And so if people are getting wet feet or something, yeah, like, get in on the uh, Kittle business. Yeah, I think, I mean, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the NFC South, we said that Kyle Pitts is a guy, if you're a rebuilder, you can trade away George Kittle for. I think on the inverse, if you're a contender and somebody sends you George Kittle for Kyle Pitts, you smash accept. Just take take the profit, yep. go with George Kittle, win a championship. I feel like that might be an unpopular opinion. I don't know. I agree with you. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a lock for Kittle to be a top three tight end this year. Kyle Pitts is my favorite to end as the the fourth best tight end this season, but uh, he's probably going to be you know twenty percent less uh, in terms of what Kittle is going to give you in this offense. All right, ain't shit else in this tight end room. So let's move into our mic check. It is halftime. <clears throat> this is our halftime segment. For a reminder. 
to our listeners, halftime is where I ask a question to our panelists and they respond with an argument-based answer. And I pick who had the best argument, which is usually Trey Cryan. All right. Hey. So <laughs> I clearly have a bias. All right. Um, the halftime question this week is very simple. Who is a dynasty bounce back player? A player who has had fantasy success in the past, who had a horrible 2020, but is poised to bounce back in 2021 and beyond. Mitch, throwing it to you. I'm going to go with Julio Jones. And that's because last year he finished wide receiver 53. That's bad. Especially if you consider that he played in nine games, actually. He wasn't one of these guys that actually got hurt and just missed the year. Um, finished wide receiver six or better for the past eight years besides last year. Uh, that's consistent. Yeah, he's a bit older. He's on an offense with a better running game now, though, and a true wide receiver one in A.J. Brown. He's going to take the Hulu, or, uh, take the heat off Julio. Uh, and if you want to account for his age, I mean, look, this guy can be a top 15 wide receiver, even a top 10 wide receiver this year. And if you're wide receiver 53 last year and you can believe that he could be top 15, top 10, you got to vote Marl's in charge. All right, Mitch, I like it. Trey, let's go to you next. All right, so I'm going with uh, back to the tight end room. I'm going with Austin Hooper in Cleveland. So right now he's he's basically free. His ADP is uh, is tight end 27, and I've got him ranked all the way at uh, 14. So he had a really down year his first year in Cleveland last season. He only had seven fantasy points per game, and he also had the neck injury at the end of the year, so he missed a little bit of time as well. But prior to that, in 2019 and 2020, he finished as the tight end six uh, both seasons, and he's only 26 years old. So I think you're going to get uh, Odell Beckham back healthy. You're going to have Chubb back healthy, and that's just going to open up the field for more of uh, Austin Hooper underneath. Uh, and, you know, I also think people are just kind of overreacting to Harrison Bryant, who only averaged like two and a half targets a game last year. And Njoku, who's apparently still on the roster, but could be traded any day now. So I'm projecting uh, Austin Hooper to to finish as a tight end 10, uh, just based on his usage. And uh, if the Browns decide to pick up the pace even a little bit, throw a little bit more than they have in the past, and there's there's upside for him to be a difference maker for your roster. All righty. John Alexander, you are third. All right. Well, I'm going to... I'm going to pick uh, Darius Slayton of the Giants. Uh, 2019, he was wide receiver 35 as a rookie, 700 yards receiving, eight touchdowns. Uh, everybody was very excited about Darius Slayton after 2019. But in 2020, wide receiver 55 in half PPR with essentially the same number of receiving yards, but only three touchdowns. He played two more games in 2020 than tw 2019, but essentially all of his other stats remain the same from 2019 to 2020. Remember that 2020 was a year where J Daniel Jones had a sophomore slump behind an inexperienced O-line. I expect that O-line to be a little bit more uh, consistent this year with a little bit more experience. And I think Slayton projects as the wide receiver too for that team. Galladay on the outside, Tony or Shepard in the slot. Uh, I expect Slayton to see 90 targets and 50 receptions this year. And so if he can get somewhere closer to his 2019 total of eight touchdowns, then he's in line to be a solid wide receiver three. That's a good uh, flex play for your team. Uh, and I think he's probably one of the cheapest uh, wide, wide receivers two, wide receiver twos you can buy in Dynasty right now. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> All right, Mitch wins. Yeah! Hey. I, would Congrats, pick, Mitch. 
I would have picked Mitch. I basically blacked out when Mitch said that Julio's been the wide receiver six or better the last eight years except for last year. <laughs> like my vision went black, just like full on Julio ecstasy. Dude, is it wild or not? It's fucking tr- That's like, insane. It's fucking wild. Yeah, I mean in terms of in terms of the other two arguments, uh, I I didn't mind either of them. I I'm not a fan of either player, so my biases really came into pay, into play there. I'm a Harrison Bryant fan. Um so even though he only got two and a half targets per game last year, I think there's room for that to improve and I think the Browns are going to be itching to get off that Austin Hooper contract. And uh, I don't think you can look at the at the Giants adding Galladay and Kadarius Tony in the first round and be excited about uh, Steve Slayton. Steve. <laughs> Steve Slayton. Steve. Fucking Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Steve. That was a an intentional joke, but I don't even think I know who Steve Slayton is. Was that another Giants? Yeah, receiver? he was. He played wide receiver for the Giants, and uh, he was also anonymous. It, it's so weird. Oh, there you Same go. guy. All right, Mitch. Well, congratulations on your well-deserved halftime win. I know Thank you take Darth. those really seriously. You know I care. Let's kick off this second half with the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. We'll start in L.A. At Q- quarterback, newly acquired Matt Stafford is our consensus QB 15. As I was preparing for this episode, I got a little teary-eyed because I feel like one of the first things we talked about on one of our pilot episodes was the Matt Stafford trade. So here we are, 12 episodes in. Just turned 33. John has him at QB 12. And honestly, I don't hate it in the slightest. I think his ceiling in this McVeigh, a.k.a. Jesus system with the weapons he's got is pretty scary, right, John? Oh, yeah. I, I think he's going to get a minimum of 4,000 yards uh, passing this year. In my Superflex League, I've been trying to trade for him a first and a player, maybe a wide receiver. Uh, if he's my QB2 in Superflex, I'm ecstatic. Trey, uh, you're the lowest at 18, so tell us why you're not as aggressive on L.A. Stafford. Well, so I think John's right. Like he's definitely a lock for 4,000 plus yards. I did projections and I've got him at uh, 4,850 yards and 33 touchdowns. And he ended up at, he ended up as quarterback 22 (laughs) because he has absolutely no rushing upside at all. The man is a statue. So uh, look, I mean, I have him at 18. Yes, there is some upside in that offense. Sure. But I would much prefer uh, the big four rookies, uh, younger guys like Tua and Jalen Hurts, and vets like Tannehill and Rodgers over what uh, Stafford's going to give you. Thankfully, we weren't allowed to talk about this guy during halftime because uh, I'm just saying Matt Stafford will be my guy. Talk about a guy that has been top five, top six, top seven twice over the last 10 years. Like, I'm talking fantasy finishes, right? Like, uh, over the last three years, he finished 19th, 29th, and 15th. And so we're sleeping on him. We're sleeping on him heavy, but he's only 33. And again, we've seen a guy who has top 10 finishes under his belt coming to this offense with uh, with Sean Mc... Uh, what were we calling him? McJesus. McJesus. Yeah, Sean McJesus. Like, Wait, so Mitch, Mitch, you said at top... He's has he's had top seven finishes twice over the last 10 years, and that's that's the meat of your argument? And he was a top five fantasy quarterback once and a top six fantasy quarterback once. And uh, yeah, he he hasn't finished high the last three years. But 33 is not old for a quarterback is what I'm saying. And he can get back to that. He would have been close to that last year, but for the injury in Mitch's defense. Like we're talking top five, top six is my is the meat 
Charles. I hear you. I like that meat. You know, I, I think Matt Stafford, if you're ranking him high, it's all because you believe he's been stuck in Detroit for the last decade and you're excited to see what he can do with Sean McVay. And I think that's really fair. I'm not as low as Trey, but I'm not as high as, as John. So you can call me a hedge on LA Matt. Let's move on to these running backs. Cam Akers is the RB12 in our ranks. Last week, Mitch brought him up as a potential summer workout warrior, someone whose hype or ADP will continue to grow due to camp reports. When he got volume and he wasn't hurt, he looked pretty good last year. John, you've got him at RB18, which is just about lower than every single (laughs) ranker in the industry. So what's your worry here, man? Okay, so let's just look at the facts. Week 12, 14 and a half half PPR points. Week 13, 16 uh, week 15, 20.4. After that, there wasn't no, a single game above dang. 10. He's, he's got eight point game on average. I, I think he's good. I think he's a mid range RB two. That's why I've got him at 18 real nice to have on your team, but he's not worth selling the farm over at this point. His perceived value is way over his actual value in dynasty right now. Sell high. He's awfully high up those boards, man. Um, I mentioned last episode that he only had three good fantasy games on his resume. And I literally wrote down, John, I'm not ready to put the farm on the table for him. I think he's also good. I have him ranked at running back, I, I think, 13. But I think the issues are simply that, like, with that offense there, Henderson looks exactly the same. And so I, I'll i go back. I'll touch on Henderson when we when we talk about him. But it's just it's a lot. It's a lot to bet on three games and high draft cap, you know. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, we we saw what happened at the end of the season. We saw what happened in the playoffs uh, when when they decided he was the man. He was the man. So I think he's a. I don't think eighteen carries a game is really that aggressive based on how we've seen Mc, McJesus use his uh, running backs in the past when he had Gurley there. So um, yeah, I mean, he's he gets enough work in the passing game, and I think he just turned twenty two like a week or two ago. So that's why he's uh, getting drafted as high as he is. Right now, I've got him uh, right there with Gibson at like uh, seven or eight or eight or nine in my rankings. And uh, it was really hard to pick a one over the other. But uh, I mean, I don't want to be late on Acres, So I definitely think the um, that top 10 ranking is justified. Dude, that blows my mind. That blows my mind that he's even on the same planet as Gibson for you. He's above Gibson consensus everywhere. He's okay. Above Gibson. Yeah. That, yeah. And so the reason I have Gibson slightly above is just because we did see Gibson produce more in last season, right? And we, mm-hmm. I think we have a little bit better idea of how they're going to use Gibson in that offense versus how they're going to use Acres versus Henderson. But they're right there next to each other for a reason because I, th- I have them super close. So Darrell Henderson is the next guy on the depth chart, third year man out of Memphis running back you in Memphis, Tennessee, we all have him as kind of a high end RB four in our ranks, but I can really see him rising in my personal ranks. If I kind of assume that cam acres, isn't going to get the 25 touches per game that he was getting toward the end of last year, Mitch, uh, you referenced him earlier and you are the highest on him slightly. So what do you think about Henderson as a potential target in dynasty? Well, yeah, I'd like to just point out though, the drastic, uh, difference in draft like a startup draft capital we're talking here like if you're taking or if we're ranking cam Akers here we have him at like 12 13 
all of us have him, Henderson, I mean, we have him at like 39, 40, 41. I think that's the range we have him in. But if we look back at the stats just from last year, they are just alarmingly similar. And that's the issue. It's like Henderson, 624 yards to Akers, 625. Henderson, 4.5 yards per attempt to Akers, 4.3. Henderson's five touchdowns to Akers, two. Henderson's 22 forced missed tackles to Akers, 21. Henderson's 20 rushes over 10 yards to Akers, 12 rushes over 10 yards. And again, look, I still have Akers at 13. I still think Akers is like the better running back here. But like we're talking about a dude that's all the way up at running back 40 in our ranks, having the same stats as a running back that's number 13. And to me, I feel like I'm fading on Henderson a little bit, having him that high. Right. So it's for you, though, that similarity in stats is less about fading acres than it is about thinking about Henderson as a as a potential value in startups. Or or just thinking about thinking about uh, McJesus, like just plugging in more parts that are capable. Right. And so, like, say one of them isn't performing, then I believe whomever isn't performing is going to get 40 percent of the share and the other one's going to get 60. And I don't think it's like necessarily Cam Maker's job off the off the rip, especially if he doesn't perform the first two games or so. Let's move on to the wide receivers just to keep us moving here. We kind of got two groups of wide receivers in L.A., and the first group is just two guys, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. We have Robert Woods at wide receiver 22 in our consensus and Cup at 29. Our consensus has them much further apart than uh, a tool like DLF ADP, which has Woods at 30 and Cup at 31. Mitch, you're aggressive on both of these guys, having them at 16 and 18 respectively. Trey, you're much more measured, and I'm kind of more in line with DLF. So, Trey, why don't you start with kind of why you're a little bit lower uh, than Mitch? Well, so right now I've got Woods at uh, 25 in my dynasty ranks and uh, Cup at 34. And honestly, I think both of them project in the wide receiver two range uh, just based on the volume they're going to get in that offense. Uh, Woods, I think, uh, is going to fill more of the wide receiver one role. I think he's going to lead the way in in target share. Uh, So I think he's got a little bit higher upside, which is why I've got him several spots higher. And uh, honestly, Cup is is only 27, so 34 feels a little bit low to him. But it's that's mostly just because I I have a lot of rookies, like high upside uh, first round rookies, like right above him, which is kind of pushing him down a little bit. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, both of them are are great value for a uh, for a contender. And and like I said earlier, I think we should be thinking about these guys the same way we think about Keenan Allen and and Tyler Lockett. They're all kind of getting towards the end of their 20s, and they're great flex players for a contending roster. Mitch, wide receiver 16 and 18 for Woods and Cup. So give us your case. If these wide receivers are this high up for me, that just goes to show how much I actually do believe in the offense here in L.A., right? Like, I believe in Stafford. I've already said that. I already think that he can be a top five, six, seven fantasy quarterback. And if he does produce those numbers, well, I mean, these dudes are catching the ball, right? And these dudes have already shown the ability to put up these fantasy numbers. I think this offense is better. And I think uh, Woods and Cup are going to be the focal point of this offense. I think they're going to score a lot of touchdowns. And I, I, the guys below them that we're going to talk about here, I don't really believe in any of them. So I look at these two as the benefactors of 
fantasy points. And so that's why I have them this high. And I don't think that Matt Stafford is just a one, two year thing. I think that he's going to put some sustainability there. So that's why I have them this high in rank in uh, Dynasty as well. I think that Trey was right that they are good values for a contending team, but I think they're probably better than a flex play. I think Robert Woods has been nearly a wide receiver one the last few seasons. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think he's, he'd, he'd be pretty happy to slot him as your wide receiver too, but uh, I agree with the sentiment. Um, I, I, th- I don't think I'm going after him if I'm not a contending team, like Trey said, uh, but I'm probably not as aggressive about it as Mitch is right now, uh, just because it is a new quarterback and you know, new quarterbacks have a tendency to pick the guys that they prefer. So uh, Robert Woods uh, is is currently being drafted at 30 right now in startups, which is insane value. So, yeah, I mean, he would be like your third wide receiver, yeah. or flex receiver, Holy which shit. is which yeah. is crazy. Right. And I, I, I think I misspoke earlier. Cup is uh, I think Cup just had his 28th birthday, but point still stands. Definitely. Did you guys Definitely. did you guys know that uh, that Stafford and uh, Cooper Cup were not actually roommates? <laughs> That's news. That's breaking. I did, I did see the families hanging out recently on Twitter, so there's something there. Listen, I just say there might be some regression there, at least from Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the second group of receivers here is Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson, and Deshaun Jackson, who just signed a one-year deal. So I kind of have to think that Atwell and Jackson will be fighting for that flanker position, speed position on the left side, and Van Jefferson backs up woods as the x right like which of these guys are we most interested in rostering i don't want to spend too much time on them i think that tutu atwell and uh, deshaun jackson they're going to be the decoy uh it'll be deshaun jackson in week one he'll get injured and then tutu will be the decoy for the rest of the season uh van (laughs) jefferson's the only guy i'm interested in on the off chance that he gets to step in for an injured cooper cup or robert woods Okay. Yeah, I, I would go to two out well just because they just put the second round pick in them. I don't know that they would have done that if they really liked what they had in Van Jefferson last year. And uh, he was he's a super fast player and he was really efficient at Louisville. So uh, I think he's going to get some opportunity. I mean, you know what they say about wide receivers that uh, can't play ahead of uh, uh, Mr. Reynolds there. You should roster them. And that's why I'm all about Van Jefferson. Roster him. Get after him. Josh Reynolds back up. Uh, no, I'm not into any of these dudes. <laughs> and I'll just say I am the highest on Tutu Atwell out of all of these guys. But, you know, they're all uh, deep bench guys right now. Okay, at the tight end position, we got Tyler Higby at tight end 19 in our consensus. I am the highest at tight end 15. It's just that out of all of these guys in this range between kind of 13, 14, and 25, he is the one that I have seen explode uh, for a period of time. Uh, and unlike, you know, Gronk is kind of still in the prime of his career. I think Stafford is going to utilize a tight end. And I think he's a great kind of post hype buy right now. He's been an efficient tight end on a per target and per route run basis with Jared Goff. And I think he's got room to improve with Stafford. And now Gerald Everett is gone up in Seattle. So guys, why am I stupid? So on the flip side of that, I I talked about uh, Austin Hooper during halftime. I mean, he's actually put uh, top six tight end seasons together over the course of a full season, which we haven't seen Higby do longer than a stretch of maybe five or six games. So Higby shaked out as a a high end tight end too in my projections. I don't think that really changes uh, too much having Stafford in the fold. 
Uh, so I've got him kind of closer to like 19 and 20, and I barely give him the the edge over uh, Gerald Everett, who we just talked about. Okay. Yeah, I I like what I like what you're doing though. Though, like, I mean, that's what I've been doing the last couple episodes, right? Like, tight ends that might have that breakout and could feasibly be a top 15 tight end. Um, I have Higby not as high as you, it seems 24, but I could easily see him at 15, right? And so that's that, that's that um, area of tight ends that we're talking about, where like this 15 through 25, you could see it. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a tight end 15 finish is is super likely for Higby, but that, sure. as we've talked about before, right, that's not super valuable to your uh, to your dynasty roster. Bryson Hopkins, a second year guy, and Jacob Harris, a fourth round rookie pick out of Central Florida, is also on the periphery of the dynasty radar. John, are either one of these guys interesting to us? I'm interested in putting Jacob Harris on my taxi squad if I have a spot, but Bryson Bryson Hopkins is not going to go on your taxi squad and uh, I think he's interesting, but I don't think he's worth worth putting. Uh, he's worth keeping an eye on, but he's not worth using a roster space on because we all know how valuable roster space is. The the Athletic published an awesome profile on Jacob Harris recently. I'm, I'm sad I can't remember the name of the uh, the the author, but uh, I mean he's a plus plus athlete, and he's exactly what you want in a sleeper tight end for sure. Sub- subscribe to the Athletic, pay journalists. All right, Arizona <laughs> Cardinals is our last team that we're going to talk about. Cliff Kingsbury's Arizona Cardinals, the fake sharp. All right. At quarterback, Kyler Murray is our QB three, and he was on pace to just break fantasy prior to injuring his shoulder in week 11. Up to that point, this dude was averaging over 30 points per game, just eating up all those rushing touchdowns. Trey, I think what's enticing about Kyler Murray, at least to me personally, is we haven't actually quite seen the downfield accuracy that he demonstrated at Oklahoma translate to the NFL yet. And if he puts that all together, this could be a truly special fantasy player. Yeah, absolutely. And and hopefully uh, my guy, Rondale Moore will uh, be there to uh, take advantage of those downfield shots. But uh, in his rookie year, Kyler Murray had 64% completion percentage and that improved to 67% last year. So that absolutely could continue to improve. And uh, I, I think the team has given is doing a great job of giving him some uh, some amazing weapons to throw to by you know bringing in Hall of Fame talent like AJ Green in the offseason and Rondell Moore in the second round. So for me, the the number two and three tight end, or excuse me, the number two and three quarterback race between Murray and Josh Allen is super close. And the only reason I gave the edge to Josh Allen is just because of the MVP level uh, performance he put together last year. And I, I was actually having the same argument with myself, Trey. I, I really wanted to put Kyler Murray as my QB two. My only lingering question is his health. We saw him injure the shoulder. He's not a huge guy. He doesn't have a huge frame. Can he stay healthy for an extended period of time? Because I'm pretty sure Josh Allen's going to be a lo- around for a long time. I'm not sure that Kyler Murray is the kind of guy that's going to be in the league for quite as long. Yeah, and I have Murray at four, which is actually one behind Dak Prescott. Um, I, but again, like that top four quarterback range, it's insane. Uh, Tarek and I are we, we're in a startup right now, and Kyler Murray was just taken at, um, what, pick seven overall? This guy is like, this guy is pick three overall in Superflex. Like uh, this guy is that good and could be like transcendent in the fantasy world. Like 
I know we we sometimes gloss over the superstars because we're a dynasty podcast and we're we're looking at like the deeper players or whatever. But Kyler Murray is one of those guys that like that that's one of the guys that if you own in a league like you are hopefully contending. Right. Kyler Murray is a superstar. Like I I sometimes I forget how much I loved watching him in that one year at Oklahoma. And that's why I kind of opened or kind of finished my preamble with that because we had, he was so incredibly accurate at Oklahoma and he's actually kind of been a weirdly inaccurate thrower so far in these first two years. And I think I know he has that in him. So I think if he puts it all together, I think he could be very clearly the QB two and because of his rushing upside pushing for that QB one. I mean, I know Patrick Mahomes, it's he's absolute, man. It's absolute heresy, but I think Kyler Murray is the guy that could get closest to that because he's got Lamar Jackson's rushing upside and he's a really good thrower and we just haven't seen it at the NFL level, but I think he can get there. So wheels up. I love Kyler Murray. All right. Running backs. Chase Edmonds is the RB 32 in our consensus and James Conner is RB 40. So let's just talk about these two together because there's really no telling at this point who is going to be the, quote, lead back here. I mean, Kyler Murray is the lead running back there, but it's more likely we see Edmonds take the pass-catching work and Connor take the early down work. So who's on the goal line may be the most important piece, but if Kyler Murray is right, maybe it doesn't really matter, right, Mitch? Right, exactly. Like, both of these guys, uh, Tarek, again, you and I were talking trades earlier today, and I removed Chase Edmonds from a trade, and you put him back in there, and I, I had to text you back, bro, I fucking hate Chase Edmonds. Like, I fucking hate Chase Ed- I don't, like, I'm sorry, I, I don't want him, man. And here's the thing, like, yeah, he's right there at running back 32, but I'm rebuilding, yeah. man. And, like, I, I don't I don't want anything to do with that guy. James Conner, same thing, like... Kyler Murray's running back one there. These guys, it's similar to the the two guys in Buffalo. I don't think you really want to get into this uh, running back committee committee here. Yeah, Trey, I'll be honest. I've pretty much offered Edmonds in that league to all 11 other managers, (laughs) and nobody seems to like Chase Edmonds. So, Trey, what do you think? Yeah, well, that's because uh, those guys are all living in the past. Or, excuse me, we're all living in the past and still playing standard in that league. Um, I almost we're feel... moving to half PPR in 2022 guys. We're on our way. <laughs> right, right. So a guy like Edmonds has like next to no value, but, uh, I, so I agree with you. I do think Connor is going to lead the way in terms of carries. I think Edmonds probably will lead the way in terms of targets, but Edmonds, uh, averaged like 4.2 targets per game last year, which is the most he had he's had in the last three seasons. And um, that's the same as what Connor has averaged basically over the same uh, three-year period. So Connor has some some uh, pass catching chops as well. So he's not going to just totally be forgotten in that passing game. And uh, honestly, when when Connor was traded to uh, Arizona, it was kind of like a big like who cares between the four of us. But uh, he's probably going to get quite a bit of opportunity and, and at least fill a lot of the role that, that Kenyon Drake um, left behind on his way out to Vegas. So I'm looking at both of them as running back threes, which means they're 
not exciting at all depth for a contender and basically worthless for a rebuilder. So John, you are actually the only one out of us that has Connor ranked ahead of Chase Edmonds in our Mm -hmm. half PPR rankings. So give us that case. I think people forget that James Connor was running back 26 in Pittsburgh last year. Uh, He's shown that he can do it, which is not something that uh, Chase Edmonds has done consistently. So yeah, I think he's got the experience factor. I think he knows how to run the football consistently. And I think that's what Arizona needs because they want to air the ball out. They don't need somebody who's going to be flashing the backfield. They want somebody consistent. I think that's what James Conner is. John saying that we all forgot that James Conner was running back 26 last year really lends credence to Trey's point that having these guys ranked as RB3s is not exciting at all. Like RB3s are not fun in fantasy football. All right. Let uh, Eno Benjamin also lurking, whatever. All right, wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins is wide receiver seven, and you guys are like the fucking three musketeers, the three stooges, whatever. You're just in <laughs> lockstep having him at wide receiver six, and I'm yeah. the the fourth musketeer, the idiot D'Artagnan or whatever his name is. I got him at wide receiver ten. For me, look, I I know he should be higher, but he's just kind of at an age where I'm trying to get younger in Dynasty, sell him for like Brandon Ayuk in a first, for instance, or T. Higgins in a first. And that kind of infects my ranking a bit, but I still think he's phenomenal. So why are you guys still kind of, despite him turning 29, hanging on to him as a top seven wide receiver? I'll I'll tell you why, man. I'll tell you why. Because last year he finished as the wide receiver five, and he only scored five touchdowns on the year. So I have like positive <laughs> touchdown regression, like circled like three times and it, it's going to happen, man. Like he could very easily be the wide receiver one this year. So if you want to win your fantasy league, do not sell him, right? Get him on your roster. Usually when you watch tape, you're trying to avoid watching like a highlight reel. Unfortunately for him, his tape is highlight reel. So every single every... play. Every single thing he does, even a basic catch he has, and the little sidestep he does to step out of bounds, you're like, fuck, dude, this guy's fucking good. Like, the reason this guy is that high up for me is because I know he can win me a league. I know he can finish top five wide receiver easy. He can yeah. because he's that good. And so if I'm if I'm a contender this year, fuck yeah, he's in the top. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know where I have. Fuck yeah, he's where I have him ranked. <laughs> no, man, he's my favorite for wide receiver one this year. I, I've 120 catches, just under 1,500 yards, and nine touchdowns. Uh, excuse me while I just move him ahead of Devontae Adams and Jamar <laughs> Chase in my rankings. You guys have convinced me. All right, let's move on to the wide receiver two in our rankings from the Cardinals offense, and that's Rondale Moore. He's wide receiver 42 in our consensus. I mean, he should come in and immediately get playing time in the slot out of the backfield and as a returner. Strong, explosive player that I think will be an important kind of barometer for Cliff Kingsbury's creativity. Um, Evan Silva and Adam Levitan of ETR call Kingsbury the fake sharp, which I I love that nickname, (laughs) the fake sharp. Like he gets this all this hype that he's like this creative offensive mind, but we've never seen anything to indicate that he is that. Um, I think Rondale is actually the primary reason I would be fading Chase Edmonds. Mitch, 
Let's start with you because we know you're kind of terrified of his size and his injury history translating to the NFL. Well, I called him wrong Dale Moore for a reason. I think the same reasons that we're fading on Kadarius uh, uh, Turf Toe Tomy, um, I think it's the same kind of situation here where, like, I don't feel that he's going no. to be. Hear me out, Trey. <laughs> Sorry, but continue, but no. Well, first of all, he doesn't have turf toe. So, you know, I know that separates the two. So let me let me uh let me take a few steps back here. I think that like Ron wrong Dale Moore is one of those guys that I want to own in my um best ball leagues, but he's one of those guys that I think that drafting early in the early second or uh the top end of your uh rookie draft. He's going to be like one of those I hope he breaks out candidates for the next three years before you're selling him for a bag of potato chips and a third round pick. That's where I look at Rongdale Moore. Uh, I definitely I definitely disagree with that. Uh, no I shit. think that Thanks, I think Rondale's going to be a PPR monster. Uh, I think he's a perfect complement to DeAndre Hopkins going downfield. Uh, he'll be the short, the layoff pass guy. I definitely agree that he's going to take away some of that passing upside from uh, Chase Edmonds. He's, they're going to keep him close to the line of scrimmage, and they're going to let him uh, emphasize his athletic ability. Uh, they want to get the ball in his hands and just let him go. That's what I see Rondale Moore doing. I don't see him as an alpha. I see him playing out of the slot, and I think he's going to be very successful there. I, I expect him to get a lot of touches, and yeah, I expect him to showcase what uh, supposed creativity Cliff Kingsbury has. Yeah, John, I, I really like that. I mean, he is getting some good uh, uh, rave reviews early in camp. And uh, I mean, there's definitely going to be some competition for targets with AJ Green and, and Christian Kirk still there. So yeah, there's absolutely the possibility that he could he could face plant year one. But the guy is short, but he is not small. I mean, he, he was uh, like, I think YouTube famous for squatting like 600 pounds as an 18 year old. And the guy's just an absolute freak athlete. So uh, if if they start giving him carries out of the backfield, in addition to all that uh, short passing game work, then watch out. I just see this as like a Mecole Hardman type situation where you're going to find a guy that's going to be utilized. He's going to get a few routes down the field, get uh, some special teams looks or something. And I just don't want to waste my uh, dynasty assets on him. Yeah, I guess the difference between a guy like Rondale Moore and somebody like Kadarius Tony or Mikol Hardman, which is two guys that you referenced, like Rondale Moore, what he did as an 18 year old was just insane. Right. So I, I mean, from a prospect profiling perspective, you kind of have to respect that. I understand that prospect profiling isn't the end all be all, but Prospect profile, athletic profile, Rondell Moore is like way more exciting when you measure that up toward Tony and Mikkel Hardman. So that's kind of where the disconnect is, I see. Um, but f- as a player, I mean, if you feel that way, that's your prerogative. All right. Um, so the other guys in this receiver core is uh, Christian Kirk, AJ Green, and Andy Isabella. Me personally, I don't really want any of them on my roster. I think Kirk is worth rostering, but I'm trying to trade him away for anything that I can get. And the other two I am dropping onto waivers. Do you guys agree or disagree? Strong agree. Instead of playing keep, trade, cut, we should just play cut, cut, cut. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was high on Christian Kirk, man. I had high hopes for Christian Kirk coming out of A&M. Yeah, I hit the hard eject on every single one of these guys as well. I, I think A.J. Green is one of those, like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, hard eject on all of them. Sometimes you're high on a guy. Sometimes you have really high hopes on him. And you got to know when to fold him, as our man Kenny Rogers would say. That's right, man. You got to know when to fold him, all right? Fold on Christian Kirk. He is nothing. Listen, right? as Willie Nelson once said, you have to fold them sometimes, I guess. <laughs> yes, indeed. Those were his words verbatim. <laughs> those those were <laughs> Willie Nelson's words verbatim <laughs> as after a couple of bowls. <laughs> Look, man, I know what I'm talking about. All right. So this is this super exciting subject is how we're going to close the show. Tight end room in Arizona. Wait, they have a tight end room is is thusly. Max Williams with two X's, Darrell Daniels, Ross Travis, and Ian Bunting. Who? (laughs) Next week on the Long Game (laughs) Dynasty podcast, we will be talking about the AFC West. We are very excited to move to that division. Super fun division. Thanks for listening today, guys. We'll see you next week. Yep. Cheers. Adios. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.